0: Who's in charge of your life? When I was praying this morning about this message, I felt like the Lord just dropped it in my life. Who's in charge of your life? Now, most of us are going to say the right thing. Oh, well, God's in charge of my life. Most of us will say that. Some of us will be honest and tell the truth. But I ask you this question. Who is really in charge of your life? Who is in control of your decisions, your thoughts, your actions? Who is it that you have given authority and control over your life. And I, was share, I didn't share this part with you, what, what the Lord had shown me today, but, but <clears throat> it seems like everything that I've shared on a couple of previous uh, Wednesdays, that everything is lined up with Matthew 24 and 2 Timothy 3, what we're about to experience in this world. You know, it's extremely critical that you know exactly what the Holy Spirit's telling you. But living in Lafayette, Indiana today as a born-again, spirit-filled Christian is a lot different than living in Baghdad today as a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. There's no margin of error in Baghdad. We still have a little bit of a margin of error, even though it's still dangerous here. But you should not ever be out of the will of God. And this is what the Lord spoke into my spirit. My people are not ready for the fight of faith that is coming. Many lack the discipline that is needed. Without a change, they will continue with self-in-charge of their lives. Very, very dangerous. As you well know, confusion and every evil work is present when my people depart from following me and elevate themselves. Very, very dangerous. You know many examples of this already, and that's a word for me that I knew exactly what that meant. Very dangerous. They are not prepared and they are not ready for what is about to happen. It is not time to learn obedience and discipline to my commands while walking through a minefield. And I receive that for myself as a word from the Lord. And I receive that for each and every one of you and other people in our church. And I believe for the body of Christ for what's about to happen. I believe that when we go out of here with the rapture, we are going out of here as winners and victorious but i believe that there are a lot of people that are not ready for what's about to happen and when matthew 24 and second timothy 3 and other scriptures that are coming toward the ends of the time in times are coming to the forefront we're going to have to be prepared
1: yes the lord has been saying to me the margin of error is narrowing and if you read the bible and you follow through the new testament by the time you get to jude just before revelations it describes a situation in the world of false teachers, false prophets, uh, and this is in the new covenant, not talking old covenant. Talking, you know, right before the book of Revelations, it talks about how. Uh, we're, we're going to have to be in the spirit. We're going to have to see by the spirit. We're going to have to hear by the spirit. And then when you get into the book of revelations, it, it continually says, especially to the seven churches, it talks about there in chapters two and three, it says, you who have an ear, everybody say have an ear, hear what the spirit is saying. And, uh, and as, as we've been praying about the messages, uh, I believe that we are in a season where we edify, exhort, and build up people. And sometimes we think that means to make everybody happy. But edification, exhortation, and building people up is for whatever is about to happen. And if you don't tell people the truth, especially in our position or any of the fivefold giftings, then we would be held accountable before God that we did not protect the sheep, that we did not... Uh, to help the children of God, the people that would be under, uh, us or in this house that we wouldn't deliver the word and feed them what they would need to be ready for what's about to happen in the earth. And, uh, i I'm not as versed in, in the end times as my husband, but I know in my spirit, I feel an urgency to begin to say to people, um, What, what we used to be able to get by with, we're not going to be able to get by with because it says in Jude that the enemy will intensify. And so if he intensifies, we're going to be caught in things that before we might've been able to slide through, but the, the, where, where, where that glory of God is and where uh, truth is, we will prevail, but if we're not walking in truth, if we're not hearing truth, then we can't prevail because the fight is not flesh and blood. The fight is a spiritual fight, and the enemy is really trying to pull people out of the body of Christ. How many of you know people that a year ago, you can't believe what they're doing now. What they were doing a year ago, they weren't doing that. But, but there's, there's really horrific things happening to people, and it's diverting their attention, and then they're starting to walk off down that path of trying to fix what that was instead of staying connected and following straight ahead to the kingdom of God, and And we can't rescue people. God can, but we, it, when, when they divert, we can't always convince them. We can't always talk to them, but we can continue to pray and stay focused on the direction God's calling us to, and I believe that's why God's giving us these messages messages uh, not too long ago uh god gave me that word about dull of hearing you know i never think about dull of hearing but the lord said they won't be able to it's not they won't be able to hear but they'll be dull of hearing that means that they're so busy and all these other things that they don't catch it when it goes by it, it's like it goes by and not until they're in in a place where they can't get out necessarily and they're trapped even further that's when they begin to really cry out well god wants us to be so alert so alert. And so this message tonight, who's in charge? Everybody say, who's in charge <laughs> of your life uh, is very important because we've, we're going to have to make some quality decisions. And sometimes it requires us to walk in an obedience that we're not really wanting to walk in. But I have found in my life, uh, I don't like to be obedient sometimes any more than anybody else. We're all human. But I have found there's a great reward to obedience Even if I feel like I'm dying on the inside, even if I feel like I don't think I can do this, God's grace is sufficient and there is a reward, not just for me, but other people that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing will be rescued because of my obedience. How many of you know that could be true for you right now? How many of you have relatives and people that you know need to be snatched out? It talks about it in Jude. We will have to snatch them out of that place. Well, we snatch them out by the word. We snatch them out by the power of God. And so I believe this message tonight is a message that will help us open our eyes and our ears to what God is saying.
0: That's why God gave me uh, you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, gave you me, gave you me. I said that all wrong. Gave me to you.
1: Yes. So, so you could snatch me of out.
0: Disobedience, I'll be able to show you. Yes. And
1: snatch me right out <laughs> by my hair. I can't snatch we, you out, so you better stay good, because there's nothing to grab a hold of. It.
0: <laughs> I, I was going to talk about Ephesians five, but we don't. Even no, know. it's that's not a in old, here. Old, that's a whole. It's old not old in old this message. message. But uh, <laughs> but uh, if you have your Bible, go to Romans chapter twelve, verses one and two, and. Uh, When the Lord spoke to me about minefields, he's been speaking to me lately about minefields. How many of you realize God speaks to you in a point of information where where you can relate to it? And and instantly, I see the minefields over there in the Sudan. They're still everywhere. And when when you get into an area of a minefield, you better pay attention to that sign, and you better do what that sign says. Uh, Otherwise, it could cost you your life. Now, you'll be blessed as you go through and follow those signs But if you want to do it on your own, you can have a serious challenge. And I believe that's what God is saying to us. He's going to take care of all of our needs. It's not going to be like it has been, but he's going to take care of all of our yeah. needs. He's going to show you what to do. He's going to prepare you. Everything is going to be fine. We're going to go out of here in a blaze of glory, folks, when the rapture comes. We are not going out of here as paupers. I believe the Lord has shown me we're going to go out of here like the children went out of Egypt. Oh, glory to God. We are going out of here. We are going out of here with our heads held high. But what we're going to have to do, and I just had a couple of notes here that I that I felt in Romans 12, 1 and 2, but what is your answer answer to who's in charge of your life? You, people, situations, circumstances, uh, the world, technology. Oh, my goodness, technology. I cannot begin to tell you how many people. Now, this is all coming from somebody that doesn't know about the technology, okay? But I can't tell you how many people I see that are constantly addicted to Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, their technology devices, all of these kind of things, and they probably spend hours a day on them and never have time to get into the Word of God and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he's saying. Folks, none of these things are inherently wrong or bad in and of themselves, but if they're addicting you or pulling you or taking control of you, then, yeah, you'll have a problem because you'll be dull of hearing, like Pam said. The person who should be in charge of you is Almighty God, and you are totally obedient. Can I see all the hands of the people who know somebody who's obedient? (laughs) And let me see the hands of all the people that sometimes you just soon pick and choose what you want to do. And God, Now, here's what's going to happen. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, that present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. In other words, don't be concerned about it. It's just the way you should be. And it says, don't be transformed by the... Renew- to uh, don't be word. conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God wants you to know His perfect will. Now, we're going to take a little survey right here. I know this has been true in my life, hopefully in the past. But how many of you have had God show you things you're supposed to do and you pick and choose the one you're going to do because some of them you don't really want to do, so you try to go on to the next one that you want to do, but you're not doing the one that he told you to do. Is that confusing or you all understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Can I see the hands of the two people who aren't doing it right? Okay. <laughs> now, what, what happens is God sees that and he knows, now please accept this right, he knows he can't trust you because you're going to pick and choose. So, he can't trust you to put you where he wants to put you because you will not be obedient to what he tells you. Does that make sense to everybody? Turn to your neighbor and say, what did I come tonight for? <laughs> Does that make sense? Does that make sense to all of you? One of the first things that, and, and I love the military. If I'd been an officer, I'd have stayed in the military, but I was an officer and I didn't want to do what I was doing. But, 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 but. <laughs> But the first thing that they do in the Marine Corps is really let you know that you don't know anything and they strip you down. Mike was a Marine, maybe some of the rest of you. And, I'm, and the other branches do. I'm sure do the same thing, but I don't have a point of reference. But they, they strip you down, and they bring in the fear factor and everything else that if you'll do exactly what we say, you'll be okay. And then they start to build you up. What they're doing is try to determine how disciplined you will be to hearken unto their voice when they tell you what to do. And if you don't do what they tell you to do. They have this little place they take you to get your attention that you will really want to do after you go to that little place, what they tell you to do. And it works really, really well. Uh, And it didn't take me very long to see what they did to you if you didn't do what they told you to do. And I thought, you know, it's going to be a whole lot better if I do what they say than if they try to tell them what I know. Does that make sense to all of you? And it went really well after that. Now, we, in the body of Christ, God's not going to come down and hurt us, but we will get hurt if we don't do what he tells us.
1: Yeah, today I was getting my nails done. You know, God uses everything to speak to you, and I, and I don't like scary movies. Um, and even my nail tech, my granddaughter went there, and she, and she said uh, she watches movies while she does your nails, you know. Well, it's better than soap operas. That's what she used to watch, so I'm rejoicing. But some of the movies are a little scary. And this one was called Independence Day, I think. There's this big, it's outer space people, and they come. And, uh, and, and so she said to my granddaughter, uh, she showed the movie to me one, that I'd seen some of it. She said, you showed that to Grandma? She prays over things like this. At first she prays for the people while it's going on. She goes, oh, yeah, she does that here too, but we just keep the movie going anyway. But when that, when that thing came over Washington, D.C., and the other cities, You know, you can either be obedient to God or you're liable to end up being obedient to a force you don't want to be obedient to. And I do know the devil's ways because I've prayed a lot of deliverance with people. And it starts out, it works for you. Just that little bit of something. But then at some point, comes that thing right over the city or right over your life. And it takes dominion over you. And it was an evil presence you know in that movie for the people and and they were not prepared they were not prepared and when we're not prepared we have no defense and we are called to be on the offense not the defense. And that means we are prepared so that when those things happen, we can defend because we are offensive. We can go after the enemy. And people who have a little bit of rebellion, whenever you talk about the military, they get you can just see the hair stand up on the back. It's the same as when you talk about submission. The hair goes up on the back of people's heads. Uh, you know, you will submit to something. And I just say that to you tonight in all truth and honesty. And, and we need to choose to submit to God because the Bible says if we submit to God, we can resist the devil. But if we choose not to submit to God, then we are choosing to submit to the devil because there is no in between. The devil wants us to think we think for ourselves because we're not dumb enough to go around saying I'm doing what the devil wants me to do. But we are. As my husband used that word, stupid, it says in my Bible, a self-confident fool, uh, Follow. it gets into folly. They really believe they know what to do, and they think they can control their life. Mm-hmm. In As a person, we cannot control our life because there are two forces out there that are going to take part in whatever we're doing, evil or good. And we choose which one we're going to walk with. And so I really encourage you that this is the hour where submitting to God is a good, good thing because the enemy is really ramping up to get people to submit and they don't even know they're falling into it. I've watched it. I, and it is a process. It, it takes people down, down, down. Uh, the Lord gave me three words the other day and I'm going to share a message on this because I believe in the body of Christ. We're not quite awake enough as wake we, as we need to be. And, uh, and, and I think God's going to start causing the body of Christ to walk in more obedience and they're going to shine brighter than they ever have shown. But those who choose not to walk in obedience are going to go off into a gray area. And like he told me years ago, there's going to come like a flood and fire down the center of it, which will be the glory of God. And anybody who can't go in that fire will fall off. Uh, so we need to be in this position. Who's in charge? God needs to be in charge for sure right now of every decision that we make.
0: It's a good word. Uh, what you quoted earlier was James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The devil is afraid of God, and the devil is afraid of the power of God in you, but he's not afraid of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, the devil's not afraid of you.
1: <laughs> the devil's yeah. not afraid of you. But he is
0: afraid of the power of God that is in you. So if that power has been released by you submitting to it, then yeah, the devil's going to flee and get away from you. And what we're going to have to do is understand what the Word of God says, because there is judgment coming on every single person. We will be judged by all of our actions. That is totally scriptural. Every nation on the face of the earth will be judged. The United States will be judged for the atrocities that we have committed. And right now in our country, I don't know what that movie was, I haven't seen it, but there's a demonic force that is descending descended on Washington, D.C. years ago. And it's inside the beltway. And all you got to do is look at what we've done in the abortion industry, what we've done in the marriage industry, what we've done in the immorality industry, what we've done in the debt industry, and how we have in our, in our government. And a lot of people say, wait a minute, I'm a Christian, I don't agree with all that stuff. It doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. We live in a republic. And a republic is a representative form of government that represents the people. And the laws of the land represent the people. And if the people have accepted it all, then that's the way it is. And in this country right now, anyone who thinks God's not eventually going to judge America for our actions, you are living in a smokescreen somewhere. Because there will be judgment that will come. But it's time for the body of Christ to really and truly a message that I had several almost a year ago now, but stand up, speak up, and sometimes we're going to have to act up. We cannot be silent any longer. And in some countries of the world right now, Sweden being one of them, I'm not sure about Canada yet, but in Sweden, uh, it is a hate crime to talk about homosexuality and call it a sin. It is a hate crime to to do that. We had a friend or a person that we knew years ago, Alf Ekman over there, uh, who's been arrested several times. He will not stop saying that homosexuality is a sin. It's contrary to the Word of God. We love the homosexual. We hate the sin. That's a fact. That's with the body of Christ. And what happens then over years of time, people say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Not only is it time to offend a few people, it's time to rock a boat and sink a few boats. Can you say amen to that? And when the body of Christ finally... Stands up and says, Enough is enough. We're not going to take it any longer. We're not going to be hateful. We're not going to be bitter. We're not going to be mean, but we're going to proclaim the Word of God and we're going to speak into people's lives. And that starts with people in the body of Christ because the, the, our country today is where it is because men and women of God who founded this nation who founded our school system, who founded our penal institution. You used to go to prison until you got right with God. And, and, and all of those things have changed now because we have allowed them to happen. Now, it's, not, it's never too late. Everybody says it's not too late.
1: Never too late to do the right thing.
0: But, uh, but we've got to start to become obedient to do what we can do right where we are. And I want to give you a few scriptures here. Isaiah 119 says, The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. So not only do we have to be willing, what do we have to be? Obedient. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need to be obedient. You
1: need to be obedient. Now turn
0: back and just tell him you need to shape up. Okay. (laughs) Let me see the hands of all the people. You need to be more obedient. Yeah, we all do. Now, see, it starts with us. A lot of times we'll look at other people and say, well, they need to do this, they need to do that. Folks, it all starts in, right in here. We need to be obedient to do what God has called us to do. And then Joshua 1, 8, and 9, we're supposed to meditate the Word of God day and night. Basically, what that's saying is, then you will make your way successful. You start to meditate what God has shown you, you start to become obedient to it. First Samuel 15, 22, 23. It cost Saul his kingdom by wanting to sacrifice something, but not wanting to obey what God told him to do through the prophet. Yes.
1: And, you know, really obedience. um, If you think about Jesus and all the multitudes of people that came to hear him speak, he was he was teaching them truth. And calling them into righteous living he he wasn't saying it's okay to do this and it's okay well you know this is okay he but yet multitudes everybody say multitudes I believe there's gonna come such an awareness that evil is here the people are gonna run to the kingdom of God because they're gonna see it as the only safe place because uh, obedience to God is a joy not a hindrance, you know, and it's been made to be, you know, I mean, to say you're a Christian today, uh, I don't know how many of you ladies were here on Monday night, but Janet Lay went to witness to a young man on the airplane and she said, you don't know if you should say Christian today because you don't know what kind of response you're going to get. Now, isn't that a pathetic saying for the day that we're living in in this nation that you have to be afraid to declare your christianity because you're liable to upset somebody and they're liable to become really violently uh, aggressive toward you because you're a christian and this is a christian nation even though i know it's been said by some that we're not but we are a christian nation because we were we were founded upon christian principles
0: it has not only been said by some that are not, but it has been said by our Commander-in-Chief and the yep. President of the United mm-hmm. States. And we have bound his words. I don't care whether you're Democrat or Republican or Independent, whether you like President Obama or not, he is misguided. This is a Christian nation where people of all faiths and we are free to worship as they like, and we have bound his words. Now, it is time to speak up and say whatever God tells you to do. Turn to your neighbors and say, don't be afraid of anything.
1: Don't be afraid of We anything. don't have a
0: spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound, sound mind. mind. Power, love, let's say it again.
1: And a sound love
0: and a sound mind. Say love. it again. Power, love, and a sound mind. So when you feel fearful and you feel like your mind is absolutely wacko, what do you have? Power, love, and a sound mind. When we're not around you at all and it's only your voice, what do you have? Power, love, and a sound mind. That's how it has to go to be, because we'll be out there in the highways and byways of life, and you sit down on an airplane, and God says, "I want you to tell that person that you're a Christian." Ther- what was it? <laughs> she, t- relationship therapist. I'm a Christian. She, a, she told Christian that. Christian relationship therapist. That's what God really, told her
1: to say. She said
0: it. I really like that. Yeah. I've I've heard the one where you sit down on the airplane. The guy actually. I figured who it was. It was a minister. But he sat down next to this guy, and as you do on an airplane, the guy starts telling you what he did. And and then the guy, and he said, by the way, what do you do? And the the guy turned and said, I work for the richest Jew in the world. (laughs) And he proceeded to witness to him and talk to him about it. Here's what what Deuteronomy, all through Scripture, you can't find anywhere in Scripture where God says he wants you to do something and and he'll not provide. He will provide. You don't have to figure out how to get provision for what God's called you to do. All you have to do is do what God has called you to do. And in Deuteronomy 28, it says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. How many of you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God? Let's mm. see your hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll try. How many of you need a little improvement? Yeah. <laughs> you know what diligently means? All the time. Close. Oh. Full of intensity strong passion quick and vehement you look that up in the Hebrew that's what it means it means I will intensely strongly quickly and vehemently do what God told me to do turn to that guy next to you and shake him and say you need Jesus <laughs> this
1: I'm going to shake him in about a minute don't worry
0: it's Matthew, Matthew 6 six twelve, is that right or twelve six? the violent take it by force 12-6 12-6 violent take it by force. Everybody say that. The violent take it by force. When I first heard R.W. Schombach years ago out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, preach a message on the violent take it by force, I thought it was going over my head. It's like the violent take it by force. I'm not a violent person. I'm a lover. I'm a nice guy. I mean, that's the way I saw myself, really. So it was just going over my head. And then he started talking about the Greek and the word violent and how it means active, energetic, and full of life. And it's like, whoa, I can do that. Wouldn't it be nice if the body of Christ was like that? If we spoke up and acted up and did whatever God told us to do whenever we told it, and that people who wanted answers would come running to us. Well, what it says is that if you diligently obey, I'm talking too fast, fast. because mm-hmm. my mouth is not getting yes, the words out. I understand that. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will Set you high above all the nations of the world, and all of the blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Mm-hmm. That's where we get that all the blessings coming upon you and overtaking you.
1: Yeah, and there's, the, God is uh, faithful to His Word. We don't have to consider whether He's gonna do what He says, He will do what He says the key is will we do what he says for us to do that opens the door for him to do what he says he's going to do and oftentimes that's where we we shrink back um i wanted to give you this scripture it says in this is a uh, second first samuel 15:22 and 23 um it talks about it says has the lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord um Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of the rams for rebellion is as the sin of rich witchcraft Everybody say rebellion Rebellion is as the sin sin Of of witchcraft Now, you know the world doesn't even oftentimes believe there's a devil or any of those kind of things but witchcraft is real And it has power over people's lives as much as they'll allow the deception to take them but the only way to be released out of that is to obey god is to let god deliver us that's why it said jesus was a deliverer what did he have to deliver us from evil because evil has power to put people in bondage and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry and this is because Saul it's talking about Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. It was a very serious situation in his life. Um, just in the past couple of years, the Lord began to say to me, uh, I'm going to I'm going to cause you to be in places where you will have to speak and you will have to speak adamantly for truth. Now, you know, that can be exciting if you want to be somebody, a uh, somebody, but it can be very uh intimidating in the natural if if you really know what that means spiritually that means you're going to be in a position where you're going to be resisted you're going to be not accepted necessarily for what you're saying but it means you will have a voice everybody say a voice and i believe the church is the voice For the world today, I believe Jesus is the answer for the world today, just like it's always been said. But I believe that it's gonna be in what Christians look like and what they speak and how they walk and, and, and talk, which is walking the talk. Everybody say walking the talk. And that's why God is saying we're going to have to come into this position, but he will provide everything we need to do that. Because if you submit to God, resist the devil, the devil flees and God's power is free to work through us. And we get to be involved in mighty, mighty things of God. When Janet told that story on the airplane and many of you weren't here, but um, very quickly, they were on a flight from Tulsa to Dallas and on that flight Dallas Airport became closed due to weather. So they turned the plane around and flew it back to Tulsa. And the young man next to them was a very big guy, uh, like a football player guy. And if you saw Janet, she's about the size of a minute. And uh, she was in the middle seat. Her daughter-in-law was on the in on the window side so they they flew all the way back this kid had his headphones on the whole time and so when they landed in tulsa he looked out the window and recognized he was not in dallas but he had no idea why he was where he where he was really at first so he took his ear things off and said where are we And they said, we went back to Tulsa. He said, Tulsa, what are we doing in Tulsa? But then he picked up his cell phone and got in a conversation. And it was a conversation where he was in a very bad situation because it was him and he had two girls that I think they, they, the way they heard it. He had two gals on the string and they both found out. How many of you know that's a bad situation? That's a relationship nightmare, you know? And uh, he was so hysterical because he was going to lose the one he really wanted, and the other one was really causing the problem, and he didn't know how to get it fixed, and he was so loud. Uh, Janet told me everybody on the plane was listening. I mean, he was—and he, and the plane was parked gassing up, and it took a while. And that's when she, she, she heard God say, I want you to talk to him. She said, you want me to talk to him? So she told her daughter-in-law, he wants me, God wants me to talk to him. I don't really want to talk to him because he's really big, you know, and what would I say? And that's when she said to say you're a Christian today, in some settings, can be really not a good thing. Especially when you've flown from Tulsa to Dallas back to Tulsa, a 45-minute trip is now a three-hour experience. And so people's nerves are on edge anyway. And that's when God said to her, tell him you're a Christian relationship therapist. He was so excited. He wanted to hear everything she had to say. You know why? Because he was desperate she, she didn't scold him. I can tell you, I know her, but when he got done, he would want Jesus so bad from her talking to him with the love of God about relationship and about Jesus that he received Jesus. And he wanted to give her a big hug when they got off the plane. Now that's because she's obedient to God. You know, oftentimes we just want to do our own thing. But we have to be obedient, even in those places that are testing our patience. How many of you have been in those? People testing your patience. But in that place, that may be the greatest place of all for Jesus to use us in a way that we would never even dream. Obedience brings power with it to do it. It just does. It just brings God's anointing right there. And it's so much fun to work with God because it always works out. I mean, it's a little intimidating, but it's fun. And it has a really good ending.
0: Praise God, it's a good word, honey, a good example. I want to go back to uh, 1 Samuel 15 because what happened there with, uh, with Saul, who was appointed by God and given an assignment by God to kill King Agog and all of the Amalekites and to restore everything back to Israel that he should have done, he didn't do it. And there are a lot of people today that God is showing you what to do, but because you get intimidated, you only do part of it or you try to change what God has called you to do because you're concerned about people. We are going to have to reach the point when we are no longer going to become people pleasers. We're no longer going to be uh, concerned about what people think about us, and we're not even going to be concerned about our life. And, and when, when Saul was confronted by Samuel, Sa- and Samuel said, why didn't you do what God told you to do? And he said, well, the people wanted me to do this. He lost his kingdom because he listened to the people instead of doing what God called him to do. Now, the reason this is so important, and most of us, myself included, up until about two years ago, three years ago, did not understand the fullness of James chapter 3, verse 16. James chapter 3, verse 16 is going to be so critical in the end times in your life because you are not going to think about yourself. You're going to deny yourself. If you live, you live. If you die, you die. But you're going to do what God told you to do, just like a soldier in combat. I'm going to do what God told me to do, and I hope I don't die, but if I die, I'm going to wake up with Jesus. In James chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, Where there is self-seeking, There is confusion and every evil work. When you do it God's way, the power of God is there. When you do it your way, contrary to what you know God has told you to do, you are entering into self. Does that make sense to all of you? Everybody say, "I I understand. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're demonic. It means you've opened the door to demonic activity. I'm going to do it my way. Saul would not execute the king even though God said execute the king and all of the people. He wouldn't do it and God knew that it was a demonic group of people. It was a demonic race of people. I want them all annihilated so I can restore Israel and he didn't do it and it plagued them the rest of their lives over there. Now you and I have to reach the point when we realize if God tells us something to do it's settled the issue but if we don't do it his way Everybody say his way. Then what are we going to do? We're going to do it our way. We are going to become... We're not going to mentally go through this exercise, but this is what we're going to do. I'm going to be a self-seeking person. I'm going to do it my way because this will be better for the people. Why do we have immorality in, in, in America today? Why do we have the situation with immorality? Why do we have a problem with sanctity of marriage? Why do we have the abortion issue? Well, I don't want to set people. They should be able to do this. We're going to reason it away. Is that right? And that's the same thing that people in the body of Christ do, honey. And what they do, they don't realize it. This just exploded to me a couple of years ago. But confusion and every evil work will be there in their life and in their family.
1: And before long, truth is a lie and a lie is a truth. Yeah. That's the end result. And uh, it, it, is a warf- it is a warfare. It is a warfare to keep our mind tuned in to what God says and staying on track. Uh, you know, I was uh, in this word God's been given to me because uh, there's so many Christians that were walking in the fullness of what God had, but then they got sidetracked and 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 I know of many examples of, of friends over the years and and I'm thinking, how did that happen? And the Lord began to show me that the it, what, what Jesus said, when the devil comes, he'll find no place in me. Yeah. See, a place in me has to do with me, has, has to do with my flesh. And uh, it's just like in, in a person's physical body. I was talking to somebody today. Oftentimes, you know, there's a weak place in, in a person's body. And do you know, whenever sickness and disease tries to come, it comes for that place
0: mm-hmm.
1: where that place is weak. It's kind of like, um, you know, there's a sore and then that sore gets healed, but it's vulnerable, And so if anything's going to happen and it hits that place again, then it's right back, only sometimes worse than the time before. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. We have to protect those weak... Areas in our lives because that's where the enemy's going to come. How many of you know when you're tripped up, it's usually for the same thing. It's it's one of those things of rejection or jealousy or envy or or, or uh, uh, an issue that that you've had trouble and maybe been hurt and wounded. And it's a it's a place. Everybody say it's a place. And what it becomes is not just a place; it becomes an open door. Sometimes it's just cracked a little bit. Do you know it doesn't take anything for uh, animals to get in a place? You know, I am fighting ants right now. How many of you have ever fought ants? Oh, I mean, to tell you, I, I'm going to be done away with by the raid. And the ants are still running through the house. You know, I mean, the fumes. Uh, they keep coming out of this teeny, tiny little hole. Well, I sprayed that hole, and then there they are again, climbing up the wall. I can't find where they're coming in. Uh, you know, they can squeeze through the tiniest Places The enemy just needs a tiny little place to begin to fester and bring about something that eventually will become deadly if it's not stopped. And that's why we have 2 Corinthians 10, which says our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, to things that the enemy wants to do in our life. And and so we begin to use the truth of the word of God. But the last verse of that, God showed me this years ago in a situation in Tulsa, because I was using that and he's, and, and, Most people don't ever get to verse six. And so let's go through it for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and everybody say, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And I was trying to stop something, and the Lord said to me, read verse 6. And I was not being obedient in something God had told me to do, and I'm trying to get the devil to stop try- doing what he's trying what he's trying to do. Everybody say it won't work. It won't work. We do have that authority. We do have that ability. But it only works when we're obedient. And I, I, I got my cell phone. Can I just just get that a minute? Go for it. Okay, just a second.
0: I have this plan to deal with all the ants, but my wife doesn't like it. They love bananas, oh. so I'm going to put bananas in certain spots in the house, and then these We're ants gonna are going to attack all the bananas, and I'm going to zap them all. Doesn't that make sense? It <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. You realize it's a fe- you realize it's always a female thing. There are ants, no uncles. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: This is, this is my Just life right here.
0: I, hope you're, I, en- so I hope you're enjoying
1: it. Here we go. Verse 3. This is the Message Bible. The Message Bible says things a little different. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eating dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing Demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity.
0: Hallelujah. That's good. Isn't that good? Yeah. Like yeah, it. that was in my phone. That's a message Bible?
1: Yeah, in my phone. huh. <laughs> this is helpful. <laughs> it's your phone. Yeah, it's helpful when I can't carry all those Bibles with me everywhere. How many of you know when you travel and you're a speaker, you can't, I mean, I have to take Good looking clothes. I don't have time for six books. I don't have luggage for six books because he doesn't like me to have a lot of luggage. But now this, see, technology can be good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have people say all the time, but I have the Bible on my phone. But I can tell by their life they don't ever read it. (laughs) Excuse me. And I just had somebody, I'll just go to preaching here for a minute. I had somebody today talking to me. You know, we don't have social media. We have informational media. And we have gossip. Now, don't everybody shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm telling you, social means I look at you and you look at me and we have fellowship. And that the devil hates that. Because it's eye to eye and anything he's doing, somebody can see. Social is being connected to people one-on-one. That is not social media, Facebook. It is informational media. So is Twitter it, and it gets to be all about you. Isn't that wonderful? Read James three I'm not saying it's bad, but, but I am saying that you have to be careful. Now I get on it at night and he tells me, if you got that on again, well, I like to look at pictures of people, but I had God tell me, take it clear off your phone until I tell you otherwise. And there were a couple of weeks there where I couldn't watch it at all because God wanted to tell me some things. And that time I was doing that, I needed to do something for him. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, there's nothing in this world that's been created that God can't use for good. But if you become addicted to if it be, takes the place of you hearing the voice of God, you have now become totally informed But you are stupid according to the word of God oftentimes because you only know what your neighbor's doing and your friend from high school 25 years ago. But when that thing goes over the city, where are they going to be? Who's going to be with you when there's real trouble? Only the spirit of the living God. And there's only one way to know what he's saying. Use your Bible on your phone. That's great. You know, I don't have any problem with people bringing their Bible to church or their phone to church for their Bible. But I'm telling you, there is something about having this book with me. And I don't sleep with my phone, but I do sleep with my Bible sometimes. Amen. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Only good things come from here. There's both in this. And I make the choice which button I push. But I'll tell you, you will be drawn. You will be drawn to that. Hallelujah. I've gone to preach and you better
0: end it. You know, it is not rocket science. It is very, very simple. God wants to tell you what he wants you to know because he will never not tell you what he wants you to know. And when he tells you what he wants you to know, he also will tell you what he wants you to do. And then we just do it without understanding. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of of your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your steps. Let's stand to our feet. And that you get to the point in your life when the most important thing to you is being obedient to God. Not other people. You don't even care what other people think about you. Your only concern is, how can I be obedient to God? And for many of us, myself included, many times we need to go back. We need to stop looking for new revelation, new input from the Lord And we need to go back to, what is the last thing he told me to do that I haven't done? Does that make sense to you? Because he's waiting for you to be obedient so he can entrust you with the next step in your life, but he can't give you additional manna to follow if he can't trust you to do what he already told you to do. It'd be no different than a child. Some children, when you're raising them, you trust them implicitly. Why? Because of their track record you know you can trust that child. Others, you're going to check on every other hour because of their track record. You know you can't trust them. And that's just a fact of life. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means you have not been able to develop a trust level with them. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today.